here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, there's not a whole lot I can add to the passing of George H.W. Bush. That hasn't already been said. I didn't know him personally. I met him a few times. Uh, I obviously knew people who knew him very well when I worked in the Reagan administration. I knew President Reagan much better. He's an extremely loyal vice president. Um, and you know his background. It's remarkable. His military heroism. And you keep hearing this word humility and kindness. And I believe that's all accurate. Now, everybody around him wasn't that way. No question about that. But he was that way. He was that way. Clearly a wonderful father, grandfather, great-grandfather, and husband. And, uh, you know, he and Barbara gave birth to a president and to a governor. That's some family. Whether you agree with everything or you don't agree with everything, that's some family. When it comes to foreign policy, I believe uh, President Bush was really quite remarkable. When it comes to domestic policy, honestly, he expanded the domestic government almost as much as Richard Nixon. And this caused him trouble in the Republican primaries and ultimately in the general election on the No New Taxes Pledge. Nobody's perfect. No man, no woman, president or not. President or not. I'm not going to comment on the media comments that try to tear down the current president at every turn. First with the McCain week-long memorial, and now with President Bush's situation. It is really a, a complete lack of class and respect for both presidents. And the media could care less. And I know people are busy cobbling together various headlines where the Associated Press, upon first reporting on President Bush's passing, wrote an outrageous headline, very negative. And yet when Castro died, they wrote a headline that was quite positive. We cannot allow ourselves to be defined by... the the modern media. <clears throat> we cannot allow ourselves to be defined by the modern media. We know who we are. And uh, when President Reagan passed, he was praised. He was praised by the same people who had trashed him during his life. When uh, Senator McCain passed, it's a little different because very often he would provide the Democrats with votes that they needed 
or PR statements that they wanted. But still, he was brutally attacked when he was running against Obama the first time. It would appear for the left, whatever incarnation they are, whether it's academia, media, politics, whatever, they're more compassionate, more serious, more reasonable after the fact of a Republican's life than during a Republican's life. Presidential candidates or presidents themselves. They're no longer a threat. They're no longer an obstacle. So, my family knows what the Bush family's going through. It's very hard. Many of your families do. And when it comes to a president, we all feel part of the family, don't we? You grow up with these various public figures. You grow up with George Bush, eight years as Reagan's vice president, four years as his own president. That's a long time at the top of the political pyramid and in the public eye. Maybe it was a year ago, maybe it was two years ago, when stories started to spill over from Congress and the various sexual harassment accusations involving mostly Democrats, but not exclusively Democrats. I won't be particular. The story started to appear that George H.W. Bush had had a little problem. Remember that, Mr. Producer? It was thoroughly disgusting. By many of the same media outlets today who praise his humility. Who praise his humility. There's not much more that can be said that hasn't already be said, been said about George H.W. Bush. I will say that as I watched the end of the memorial and President George W. Bush was leaving the rotunda with the other Bush children and their spouses. Um, <clears throat> you could tell that he was uh, he was all tearing up and uh, he was trying to keep a, uh, a strong face for the nation. It's not easy. It's not easy. I will play a song that is one of my favorite songs. I guess America is my favorite song. But this is certainly in the top three or four in terms of patriotic songs. In honor of President Bush. And uh, then we will continue. And you know, I don't continue out of rudeness or anything of the sort. Just that when you're on radio, it's not the same thing as watching TV. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. While the storm clouds gather far across the sea, 
Let us swear allegiance to a land that's free. something that just happened, and that is the merger of the Blaze and CRTV. America is the land of firsts. America is the land of pioneers. The old media environment is toxic, destructive, and undermining this republic. It is ideologically driven and dressed up as freedom of the press. I've talked about it now for a long time, and you see it on your own. You don't need any help from me. The Jim Acostas, the Jake Tappers, the phony news in the New York Times where you can't tell the editorial page from the news page. Same with the Washington Post. They're all alike. They all read alike. They all have the same objective, to advance the progressive agenda. The progressive agenda is the antithesis to freedom of the press. It's the antithesis to constitutional republicanism. The purpose of freedom of the press, like freedom of speech, is to have a robust debate but not about how to destroy America or fundamentally transform it, but how to improve it, advance liberty and individualism, and the core principles in the Declaration of Independence. This is not a merger of personalities. It is a merger of pioneers. It is a merger that is necessary. It is a merger that I hope you'll embrace. 
We are the early pamphleteers of this technology, CRTV and the Blaze. And we've come together to create Blaze Media. We aren't the wealthiest. We aren't the most powerful. We aren't the most famous. But we are part of a new media revolution. And so we wanted to muscle up. Expand our technologies. Expand our platforms. Expand our reach. To go where you, the American people are. Anywhere you are and everywhere you are. To bypass the CNNs and the MSNBCs. To bypass the New York Times and the Washington Post. ABC and NBC and CBS. There's some fellow conservatives out there who are very troubled by this. They haven't even acknowledged what just took place. It's okay. They'll learn to understand it. It's not about personalities. It's about liberty. That's our watchword, liberty. And I'm very excited about this. Those of you who subscribe to CRTV, you'll get the offerings that have been provided on The Blaze. Those of you who subscribe to The Blaze, you will get the offerings provided by CRTV. The combination of the two enterprises is well underway. And no, we're not broke, we're not bankrupt. Quite the contrary. We are the biggest digital media outlet, with social media, with video media, and all forms of media out there. Of our 165 million views or reads a month. Folks, I've hinted about this over the course of a period of time that we just cannot run around buying cable companies and newspapers and networks. We have to outsmart these people. Even though this is an enormous investment. We have wonderful, wonderful people involved. Technical experts on the TV side, audio, lighting professionals, professional directors, production staff, professional studios. And on the Internet side, we have the absolute smartest, best people imaginable. But more than that, we have put together a group of individuals that are absolutely outstanding in every way. Outstanding in every way. You don't have to like all of them. You don't have to like me. You don't have to like Glenn. This isn't about like. This isn't about personalities. This is about the Republican saving this country. I hope you'll check it out. This is a big day in media. And I can assure you it's gotten the attention of every one of these liberal outlets. We encourage you to join us. We encourage you to join us. 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV. More when I return. 
With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. This is the show the New York Times is afraid of. Mark Levin, call in now at 877-381-3811. We are uh, not seeking to tear down anyone who has come into or wishes to come into this area of media. Not in the least. We welcome all competition, big, small, or medium. Here's the problem. If we don't do something now, it's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. We are a free people, and the Constitution allows us, you and me, to come together as a free people and figure things out. The purpose of freedom of the press is to undergird freedom of speech. I know, like me, you don't feel that's taking place on so much of the mainstream media. It will take place here. You're the subscriber. You're the subscriber. There's no Time Warner here. Or anything of that sort. There's no Jeff Bezos here. And uh, both CRTV and The Blaze have been very careful in who's been selected to participate in this project and in their own projects in the past. What about Glenn Beck and me? I like Glenn Beck very much. We don't always agree, but we agree a lot. And so what? It's not about Glenn Beck and me. It was rather humorous to see this first report on this that said that Glenn Beck and I merged. Mr. Bedusa, how do Glenn Beck and I merge? I won't even leave that to my imagination. Glenn Beck and I have not merged. He has a radio show. I have a radio show. I have my Fox show. I have my books. He has his books. It's not about Glenn Beck and Mark Levin merging. It's about things that we've created and bringing them together. When I launched Levin TV, founded it, started it, and it branched off to CRTV, Conservative TV, I stepped out of management. Why? We brought professionals in who understand the digital space, as they call it, far better than I. 
I didn't want to make any mistakes. My ego is small enough where I don't pretend to know everything. Certainly not in this field. And so we brought in professionals. So I don't manage CRTV. But I gave my consent to this. My full, wholehearted consent. Because the folks at CRTV and the folks elsewhere have been listening. Now, I am not just a radio and TV host. I didn't start out as a radio and TV host. I started out as a conservative activist. I have never surrendered my conservative activism, ever. From the Tea Party to Convention of States to this. And my hope is this is just the beginning. That this is just the beginning. And we, the American people, who embrace this country, who love this country, we need to pull together. Because it's slipping out of our hands. And we can do this. We can do this. But the hour is late. And it's getting dark. We have to do it now. So I'm all in. What about you? You can go to CRTV.com. LevinTV.com. There's multiple ways to get to us. 844-LEVIN-TV. And when I learn the other site information as a result of the merger, I will provide that too. BlazeTV.com. BlazeTV.com. Very magnanimous, I would say, that we thought BlazeTV.com would be a good title. But it doesn't matter what we call it. You know what it is. This is a new birth, or if you will, a rebirth of real media. Real media. We don't answer to anybody except you. And through your subscriptions, effectively, you control what takes place. It's always amazed me how so much of the media, Rush likes to talk about this, trash their listeners, trash their viewers, trash their readers. It's a great thing about capitalism, ladies and gentlemen, and new technologies. It creates competition. It creates markets that nobody ever imagined six months ago, a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago. But you, my fellow patriots, you understand what's taking place here. You understand what's taking place here. We must not be defined by those who have nothing but contempt for us. The people we support must not be defined by individuals who have nothing but contempt for them. We don't have to agree with all these politicians. This isn't even about politics. It's more about culture. Who are we? Where do we, the people, want to take this country? Where do we, the people, want to take this country? So I'm not here to tear down any other digital enterprise at all. I encourage all of them. But I am here and others are here to make this the best it can possibly be. And I know what I'm doing. And the people behind this project know what they're doing. This is not a cult of personality. As the media originally tried, look at this, they're combining Beck and Levin. We both understand 
We both understand that the nation needs to come together. Those of us who get goosebumps when we hear the national anthem are proud to put our hand over our heart or salute the American flag. I'll tell you a quick story. This weekend I was in Florida dealing with matters, and two dear friends of mine told me, you need to watch the Christmas parade. I said, Christmas parade? Christmas parade? I said, yes. I said, it's 81 degrees here. No, no, no. They said, the Christmas parade, the streets are going to be cut off. It's in a little town, about 20, 25 miles north of West Palm Beach. It's like it was just put there. It's where my favorite restaurant is, as you know, Flash Beach. And I wasn't feeling 100%, so what the heck? I sat in the chair along the parade route in front of that restaurant. Several people yelled out my name, which was very kind of them, and I appreciate it. But I'm going to tell you something that I saw that you'll never see on these other networks. The sheriff's office, a couple of guys on motorcycles, others marching, standing ovation. Police officers, standing ovation. The fire trucks with the horns, the air horns, standing ovation. The Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, the Cub Scouts, all kinds of scouts. Ladies and gentlemen, I had goosebumps. I forgot. I forgot what it's like. And guys having a good old time with their antique cars, with American flags hanging out the window. There's one lady who must have been well well into her 80s, dressed in a tutu, throwing a a baton, catching it. I was sending video back to my family. And I told my buddy Rob and my buddy Anita, thank you for telling me to watch this. This was a real shot in the arm. These are the people we're trying to appeal to. You. You who have no voice in the media. We're trying to appeal to you. Because there's tens of millions of us who still embrace this country, who cringe at what we see on TV, who have disbelief in what our children are being taught and not taught, who cannot believe the race baiters and the haters dressed up as professors that show up on one channel after another. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not who we are. We're not a freak show. We're not Nazis, we're not racists, we're not xenophobes, we're none of those things. We're the greatest people on the face of the earth, and history proves it. So that's why we've come together. That's why we've decided we must act now. We may take other steps down the road to build the strongest platforms and substantive content we possibly can. If this were purely about money, folks, I wouldn't need to do it. This is an extremely expensive undertaking. 
It's not even reflected in the subscription prices. It's an extremely expensive undertaking to launch this. It was very expensive to launch the Blaze, very expensive to launch CRTV. And we have people on the sidelines shooting spitballs, laughing every time, every time. Somebody trips, misses a bill, or whatever it is. They can laugh all they want. They're still on the sidelines shooting spitballs at us. And so... That little parade in Hope Sound, Florida, is what comes to mind to me in explaining this to you. Uh, where am I, Rich? Okay. With it getting cooler, excuse me, it's actually cold out. The struggle to get out of bed is real, and Casper makes it so tempting to stay cozy under the covers. It's the most comfortable mattress you'll ever sleep on. It's a high-quality mattress at an affordable price, and you'll sleep comfortably and never wake up overheated thanks to the unique combination of foams that provide the right pressure relief and alignment. Casper ships right to your door for free in a small, how-did-they-do-that size box. They'll even pick it up if you don't love it, and they'll refund you everything. From its engineering to its packaging to letting you try it for 100 nights, It's no wonder Casper has over 35,000 five-star reviews of all their products across Casper, Google, and Amazon. Now is the perfect time to give Casper a try yourself, or as a gift. Give Casper somebody you care about. Looking for the holiday deal? Well, head to Casper.com, code mark, Casper.com, code mark, to save 10% on your entire order with any Casper mattress. That's Casper.com. Use promo code MARK. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Would you pay your hard-earned money to join an organization that fought tooth and nail for a government-run health care system? How about an organization that scripted portions of White House speeches behind closed doors to ensure the passage of the so-called Affordable Care Act or Obamacare? Or an organization that stood against tax cuts for middle-class Americans and small business owners? Would you join an organization like that? No. Then don't join the AARP. Join AMAC. AMAC is the conservative alternative AMAC offers an alternative to just about every benefit and discount that the AARP offers, but without the left-wing agenda. Become an AMAC member right now at amac.us. Wouldn't you rather belong to an organization that fights for your values and principles like protecting our borders? Like supporting small business? Like standing up for individualism? God-given freedoms? AMAC is the way to go, and they're not afraid to say so. There's a ton of work to be done, and AMAC is asking that you help them fight the good fight by becoming a member today. The benefits are great, but the cause is even greater. Join right now at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. AMAC is better, better for you, and better for America. So, Mr. Producer, why don't you put the new link to Blaze TV up on my social sites? And... We'll just make it very, very easy for you Levinites out there to uh, to jump in. As I say, 
It's now a combined entity, so you'll be able to watch everyone on CRTV and everyone uh, at The Blaze, formerly CRTV, formerly The Blaze, and now Blaze TV. But there's always going to be Levin TV. Well, I won't say always, but at least for the next several years, there will be Levin TV. So if you, uh, you sign up, I'm not going anywhere, not that I'm aware of anyway. All right, Mr. Call Screener, give me a really good call. Who do you got there? Nobody up there. Oh, you know why? Because I told you not to give me any calls on this, didn't I? Oh, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, I'm embarrassed. I directed the call screener, no calls on this, because I don't want it to be self-serving where people say you're great and you're great, great. I'm not great. I just don't believe in standing still. Well, there's things I want to discuss. They're... They're a little out of place here, but I might as well just jump in, I think. Let's see here. Well, here's one, and I would uh, discourage my wife from listening to this for now. This caught my attention right before I came on the air. And there's no reason to be upset about this, folks. Scientists find that humans actually know when they have died. Now, I have thought about this for decades, and I'm sure many of you have too. What must it be like? What must it be like? And when you're talking to a loved one, you hope beyond hope that they can hear you. I don't want to get into religion and faith here. I'm not talking about that. You hope beyond hope that they hear the last things that you're saying to them. And so the piece says, what happens after we die is a question that many grapple with throughout their lives. And while many look forward to an afterlife of sorts, does science find anything? What do scientists think? Now, I'm not doing this in lieu of religion, so please. This is just something that might cause you to think a little bit. New York Stony Brook University School of Medicine's researchers discovered evidence that suggests human brain activity still works after death, but just for a few moments. The person who's passing will understand what is happening despite the heart's beating coming to a halt. Scientists shared how the passing person could hear themselves being pronounced gone by medical staff. And when the heart does not beat, the time of death is announced. Blood does not circulate to the brain and leads to a person losing their brain stem reflexes almost instantly. This also includes their gag reflex and pupil reflex. The thinking section of the brain, the cerebral cortex, also slows down between 2 to 20 seconds. But the process can take hours to complete after the heart has stopped beating. Scientists were able to discover the post-death consciousness by observing cardiac arrest cases in both Europe and the United States. While technically gone, people who lived through heart attacks were aware of what was going on before being resuscitated. The same folks were able to describe events that happened after their hearts stopped beating. The issue of life and death is... The issue not just of our times, but of every time. 
People think about it all the time. You might want to think about it. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, You know, at these times when a public figure of great uh, note passes away, people are right not to talk about some of the negatives, some of the imperfections, because there's, there's times for that. But I want to mention one thing. And it doesn't take away from President Bush at all. I remember uh, working in 1976 at the grassroots level in Pennsylvania to try and get this fellow from California that was just viewed as a B actor, Ronald Reagan, uh, the delegates in the uh, Pennsylvania primary. We had no money. Uh, President Reagan had written off Pennsylvania. So it was a complete door-to-door operation. There were a bunch of young Turks. Forget how old I was. Very young. Who did everything we could to become delegates or elect delegates on his behalf. Pennsylvania is not a particularly conservative Republican state, uh, even though it has conservative aspects to it. And Reagan was very much the alien to the GOP in Pennsylvania that was used to people like Arlen Specter who was often more liberal than the Democrats. Then I remember in 1980, we did pretty much the same thing. The result overall was obviously quite different. It was a very brutal Republican primary. People may not recall this. And some of the tactics used by President, who would be President Bush's staffers, like James A. Baker, among others, were pretty nasty. Voodoo economics, other tactics. And at the convention, in the end, Reagan overlooked all that to try and unite the Republican Party. Because the polls at the time had him way behind Carter. He was way behind Carter for two reasons. One, again, he wasn't well known in much of the country. And number two, 
The media had painted him as a reckless cowboy who could create nuclear war. Sound familiar? In the end, Reagan won in a massive landslide. He didn't have to have George H.W. Bush as his running mate, but he did. And they were a very loyal pair throughout both terms of the Reagan presidency. No leaks came out of George Bush's office. They came out of James Baker's office repeatedly. He had a wonderful relationship with the Washington Post and other liberal media outlets. James Baker also, uh, you may know, has been uh, celebrated by J Street, which is an anti-Israel organization. He gave uh, some big speech there, and they jumped to their feet and applauded him. That was always an issue with James Baker, quite frankly, and some of the other foreign policy types in the Bush administration. But that aside, I'm looking at two photos now. Well, one, actually. Both Bushes. I'm looking at a photo now, the upper left-hand corner of one of my walls here in the bunker, where I'm shaking George Bush's hand. And he's got a big smile on his face. And he would happily introduce himself to anybody. (coughs) Wasn't a snob. None of those things. So after all that, Reagan campaigns strongly for George H.W. Bush. George H.W. Bush won California, the last Republican to do so. And he got almost 54% of the vote, which is the highest percentage since that election. Obama didn't hit it. Clinton didn't hit it. His son didn't hit it. Nobody hit it. Soon after the election and Bush had won the Republican primary, he was the president-elect. Word went out, ladies and gentlemen, that they wanted all 3,000 political appointees to submit their letters of resignation. Did I ever talk about this? 3,000 political appointees who had supported President Reagan and the Bush-Reagan ticket. Excuse me, the Reagan-Bush ticket. In other words, the decision was to clean out the Reaganites and bring in the Karl Rove types. Now, in my own case, I was leaving anyway. But a lot of people thought, you know, maybe I can hang on. Many people hadn't served eight years, some people a couple of years. Um, But almost all of them were blown out. This is a story that's never told. And I think his advisors, James Baker, Dick Durbin, among others, perhaps Karl Rove, who decided to blow out all the Reaganites, made a huge mistake. Because these were very experienced individuals who had served an enormously successful presidency in the case of Reagan. But also because there was, in fact, a philosophical difference. And I think people who served in the Bush administration would admit it. There was a philosophical difference. Bush was much more of a moderate than Reagan. Much more of a moderate than Reagan. And so they didn't want a lot of these Reagan guys hanging around. And so they didn't. 
But in pushing a rather expansive domestic agenda, new entitlements, new taxes, snookered by George Mitchell, was quite a devious individual as the Senate Majority Leader at the time. You may remember him from Maine. Uh, These were a few of the missteps that contributed to him being a one-term president. That does not in any way detract from the man's character and his content at all. But it does give you a little bit of information. Uh, as you listen to the the reviews and so forth. But you look at Nixon, Ford, George H.W., George W. The government, many departments and agencies grew enormously. Enormously. Many of them tried to make deals with the Democrats, tried to earn peace from the Democrats. The problem with the modern Democrat Party, it doesn't want peace. It wants surrender. It wants capitulation. It wants absolute victory. They are driven by this ideology that does not allow compromise unless that compromise is not truly compromise. That is, it's a new massive entitlement program or a new massive tax, or a new massive something. To understand progressivism is to understand if they take a step back, it's a tiny step. Because in the end, they'll never retreat. But they're a wonderful couple. And you know, I look at them even quite differently from Obama and Michelle. The media want to compare Bush to Trump. Why would we compare them to Obama, Barack, and Michelle? The kind of revolutionary incoherence that we hear from that couple, Barack and Michelle, as they become super wealthy having left office, not before they came to office, is really quite unconscionable. Really quite unconscionable. Michelle Obama achieved very little before she became First Lady. Very little that I can think of. She achieved very little. And Barack Obama, well, he achieved the presidency. That's a big deal. But he didn't actually achieve much substantively prior to that time, did he? You hear people talk about George H.W. Bush was the most qualified president in American history. I I don't buy these lines about the most this in American history. He's certainly one of the most qualified presidents ever in terms of his military experience, private sector experience, and government experience. But by the same token, then, Barack Obama was one of the most miserably unqualified individuals to become president by the same measure. By the very same measure. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. A couple of very sharp, insightful pieces out tonight. I want to go over one of them with you. From the Financial Times. U.S.-China trade war. 
truth shows who holds the upper hand. Beijing has agreed to many concessions, but Trump has merely given up very little. But there's more than that. So let's listen to this. It's, a, it's actually a very powerful analysis by Jamal Underlini. A truce has been struck in the U.S.-China trade war, but the terms of the ceasefire make clear who holds the upper hand when hostilities inevitably resume. In exchange for the U.S. not imposing higher tariffs on about half of Chinese exports from January 1, Beijing has agreed to discuss a long list of concessions that would, if fully implemented, fundamentally alter the very nature of the Chinese system. According to a White House summary of the dinner between Donald Trump and Xi Jinping in the G28 summit in Buenos Aires, China has agreed in the short term to buy a very substantial amount of agricultural energy, industrial, and other products from the U.S. It's also agreed to begin immediately negotiations on structural changes with respect to forced technology transfer, intellectual property protection, non-tariff barriers, uh, cyber intrusions, and cyber theft services and agriculture. America has offered nothing except a 90-day deadline, after which it will increase tariffs on $200 billion of Chinese imports from 10% to 25%, as it originally planned to do on January 1 if Mr. Trump is not satisfied with Beijing's concessions. America has offered nothing except that 90-day deadline. Now, since it is virtually, listen to this part, since it is virtually impossible for Mr. Xi to implement or even agree to such far-ranging changes in China's economy, It is almost certain that the trade war will resume with a vengeance by the end of February 2019. It is true that Mr. Xi has bought himself and the struggling Chinese economy some time. He and his colleagues, listen, must be hoping that special counsel Robert Mueller is closing in on his quarry or that Mr. Trump will be otherwise distracted when the 90 days are over. This is the problem in so many ways with what's taking place in this country with this unconstitutional prosecutor, a Soviet-style prosecutor. This is the problem. Our enemies are rooting for Mueller. Our media are rooting for Mueller. The Democrats are rooting for Mueller. Academia are rooting for Mueller. To do what? To blow out the president of the United States. To distract him. To burden him. To drag him down. That's what they seek to do. So this has real consequences. Beyond these gab fests. These incoherent back and forth. These race based arguments. With the Manhattan. Georgetown. L.A. crowd. No matter how strong a president is, it can't help but be distracting. No matter how strong a president is, they are, listen to me, they're giving aid and comfort to the Chinese, to the Russians, to the North Koreans, and to the Iranians. They're giving aid and comfort to every enemy of this country. You've heard the talk about President Bush, how difficult these decisions are. How you need to consume a significant amount of information. How you need to listen to your different advisors. All we get day in and day out. 
Trump did this. Trump did that. Maybe he did this. You got this clown pot horse now on MSNBC. All roads lead to Roger Stone. Like he knows something. He knows nothing. They monitor our media. They know what's going on in this country. Or they wait out a presidency. These people are doing us no favors, ladies and gentlemen, none whatsoever. They don't talk about the economy. They don't care about the economy. They care about their own thin-skinned and insignificant relevance. By pausing and setting onerous terms for his negotiating partner... He can appear strong and reasonable at the same time. This allows Mr. Trump to mollify those in his administration, such as Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin and National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow, have argued for more leniency towards China. Well, I hope not. I say more leniency for our allies and more hard-ass against China. China has stolen us, our technology, blind. They've stolen our technology blind, and they're using it against us. They're prepared to wipe out our electrical grid. They've already taken aggressive offensive steps in our own hemisphere, in the South China Sea, in parts of Africa, in the Middle East, and other parts of Asia. How many more reports do we need? These annual reports from the military and intelligence services warning us about what China is doing. They are spending more, as a, excuse me, as a percentage of their GDP on their military than we do, by far. And now you have the Democrats saying what Trump wants to spend on the military is a no-go. Our enemies root for the Democrats to win. Our enemies root for people like Mueller. They hate people like Reagan. They hate people like Trump. And so you got this guy, Pod Horitz, a neocon, but another Trumper all over MSNBC. You know, uh, this, this Stone situation and Cohen, and you know, they really, really open up the door. There's your collusion connection. I'm going, the hell does this fool know? He doesn't know anything. But he's on MSNBC because he's a great puppet. He's a great puppet. They only bring on guests. You know, they attack Fox. You know, Fox is all Trump all the time. No, it's not. There was a study done by Harvard that said it's not. 52-48% anti-Trump. And yet when you go to NBC and MSNBC, it's like 90%, 92% anti-Trump. Now what do you call that, Mr. Producer? <coughs> Excuse me. What do you call that? Propaganda. That's propaganda. But nobody in Beijing will be under any illusions that the trade war with the U.S. has been averted, even if that is how it's being spun in China's tightly controlled official media. China's official summary of the Buenos Aires meeting did not mention the 90-day deadline or most of the other Chinese concessions outlined by the Americans. They have a press kind of like we do. I'll be right back.
If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add, but this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve, and subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. feed for the conservative media dive in now 877-381-3811 the uh, troika that really hurt president bush and saw a collapse of his ratings from what was it 91 percent to getting 36 percent of the vote which uh Dan Quayle had said it was the greatest political free fall in presidential history. And Professor Kencor backs that up. Was this troika of David Gergen, Dick Darman, and Jim Baker? They're operators. They really didn't have a conservative principle among them. This is just my opinion. And today they don't either. Gergen went on to go on TV, where on CNN he is a reliable Trump attacker and attacking other Republicans. Dick Dorman went on to make a ton of money in New York, and Jim Baker went on to do what he does. But they conceived the greatest collapse of a president's ratings in history. And this is what I mean. And it was they who devised, I'm sure, the idea that remove all the Reaganites. Just my opinion. And incessant leaking. Incessant leakers. So you have them plus Ross Perot. And the result was the Clintons. They brought us the Clintons. Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. Who still won't leave the stage. So we had the two greatest electoral landslides in modern history, 1980 and 84 under Reagan and Reagan-Bush. And then one of the most complete reversals um, with the so-called brilliant rhinos running the Bush presidency and his campaign. Now we saw some of this in the campaign of George W. Bush, too, in 2000, where you had Karl Rove as the architect, the architect of the leaning tower of political Pisa, in my humble opinion. And then in 2006, of course, uh, they lost both houses of Congress. And they started talking about comprehensive immigration reform, and here we are today. And in that same political mold, the Republicans nominate 
Bob Dole, an American hero, I take nothing away. And, of course, at some point, John McCain, an American hero, and Mitt Romney, not an American hero, a pretty boy, in my humble opinion. But they rejected the the Reagan model, and it was the Reagan model that was the most successful model of them all. You know, we talk about job growth now. The Reagan economic model, which was in fact the greatest tax cuts in American history, the individual top rate from 90% to 27%, I believe it was, in two uh, different uh, pieces of legislation, eliminated the death tax, eliminated inflation relation to pushing people's salaries in the higher tax brackets, sped up the, uh, the deductions for R&D and capital investment. And he rammed it through not just a Republican Senate, but a Democrat House. So-called blue dog Democrats aren't any more of them. They're extinct. This is the model, and I don't know why the Republicans in the House don't follow this model. They can't now. Soft progressivism is a disaster because you have nothing to run on, let alone the substantive policy disaster that it is. You have nothing to run on. The left, they are hardcore radical progressives. Well, we don't go that far, but we go over here. No. And much of the praise the Bush 41 administration is getting is for a growing government. So if there was a less growing government, more growing the private sector, uh, I feel he could have won. Clinton was not a strong candidate. In fact, Clinton was a serial liar even then, saying we were in a recession, we were in a recession, and we weren't in a recession. The same media praising George H.W. Bush today were the cheerleaders for Bill Clinton, repeating his lies again and again, because that's what they do. Repeating his lies again and again. And they often like to compare Hillary Clinton to Barbara Bush. Hillary Clinton, a Yale lawyer, a professional, a woman with a career. And then, of course, there's Barbara Bush, you know. So they rewrite their own history. But I have a very good memory about these things. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intellectual piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth 
and defending liberty since 1844. This is the Great Hills Dog College, and it is the Great Hills Dog College with its great president and faculty and administrative staff. Absolutely outstanding. All right, let's take a couple calls. Joe, Manassas, Virginia, the great WMAL country. Go. How you doing, Mark? I'm, I'm doing well, thank hear, you. You're about the passing of your dad. Um, yeah. And, you know, I have his first books, and I haven't got the last one yet, but I will. Um, well, don't hang up, because I'll, I'll send you a copy of it when you're done, but go ahead. I'm just going to say uh, I love America. I love uh, the song. I love Kate Smith. I grew up with her with God Bless America. I love you, Ray Charles, on Friday nights. But I mm-hmm. think you're missing when you don't get the fourth verse of the Star Spangled Banner. Well, sir, if I play four verses, everybody goes away. You and I may want to hear all four verses, but it's not a music show. And people already complain that I play too much. So you're not going to be able to get it here, but you can get it online. Yeah, I've got it, and then there you are. All right, brother. I appreciate your call. I very much do. Andrew, in Thailand, in Thailand, on the Mark Levin app. How are you, Andrew? Good, Mark. I'm here with my father-in-law. I lost my father this year, too. He was a great man, like your father. I bet. My father-in-law here, since we tired of the police officer. Uh-oh, we're losing you. Mark, I just yeah, want right. to say, um, when I was in college, Bush ran, and they told the lie that he never went to market in his life, that he was an elite. And I knew right away it was a lie, but a lot of my classmates believed it, and I was shocked at him. Here I streamed your show, CRTV. I saw the, the author that wrote the book, War and Police. That inspired me to wake up and get Heather McDonald. And motivated yep, and fight. I had some regrets, like thinking, oh, I had this opportunity, but now I realize I'm serving the country. I was never in the military, but this is my way to serve, and you and she inspired me. And I just want to say my best thanks Thanks for your show. Darn it, I'm I'm losing you. I apologize to you, but I just can't hear you, Andrew. Darn it, I hate to do that to him. Hate to do that to him. Larry, Melbourne, Florida, the great WMMB. Go. Hey, Mark. It's a pleasure to talk to you. And as I was listening to you talk about George Bush in the first hour, I reminded me of a conversation I had with a patient that was a member of the submarine that rescued George Bush. And so I asked him, of course, what it was like, uh, what he was like, George Bush. And he said he was a very nice guy, very appreciative, thankful for everything he did. And he said that ever since this was about 10, 15 years ago, he said every Christmas since that happened when they rescued him. He's re- him and every crew member received a handwritten card by George and Barbara Bush, and the entire crew was filled, um, brought to the election when, and his uh, nomination for presidency when he was uh, inaugurated, I mean. Yeah, I mean, really, really special guy, wasn't he, in that respect, yeah, for it, sure. It just shows the quality that when you can appreciate what someone else does and not just show it. Um, in, no, but what uh, you're saying is very important. You know, we have a number of leftists, including... Uh, recent president, who go on and on and on about what government should do and government this and government that, and yet you have these men who are very powerful, and in the solitude of their own lives, even as president, they do things for other people. Yeah. And they don't, they don't need to draw attention to themselves. 
you know, they do it for the true virtue of uh, being a good person and really caring about other people. Absolutely. All right, Larry. Appreciate it, buddy. Jeff, Colorado Springs, Colorado, Sirius Satellite. Go right ahead. Thank you, Mark. Uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you for mentioning Ross Perot. You know, he did get 18.9% of the vote, which is a huge percentage of the vote. And both parties colluded after that to eliminate the possibility of any third-party candidate. I don't know so about that, fortunate. but I will say that Ross Perot's single purpose was to defeat George Bush. He hated the Bush family. He came out of the uh, same state. Uh, and I don't know about colluding to stop third parties, but... Uh, you know, we had a third party against Reagan. We had John Anderson, and Reagan still had a massive landslide, still got over 50% of the vote. What are you, a libertarian? Challenging. But I think right, you're talking over me. Out. You're talking over sorry. me. Are you, a, are you a libertarian? <laughs> I think I've become more of a constitutionalist than anything else. I don't even know if I can put a party label on myself anymore. Oh, no, no. I'm asking about your ideology. Are you a libertarian? No, I'm a very deep conservative. Okay. Absolutely. All right, my friend. So, so go ahead. the other thing I was going to mention is uh, in the old days, we had people like Milton Friedman that could go on to college campuses and engage people on a conservative intellectual level and, and really just defeat them. And I love listening to some of his old free to choose uh, type series. And I'd love to see yourself or somebody else get out there and do that and just manage that political discourse. And he had such a great way about him where he could just disarm people and their arguments. And you know what? I may do that. The difference today is you might get killed doing it. Uh, those those sessions were brilliant. They're all over the Internet. And we don't have a Milton Friedman today, that's for sure. But I've, I've been asked about this, and maybe I should, because uh, I feel it is a deep gap right now in what's taking place. All right, we'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Nothing comes between you and protecting your family this holiday. And save hundreds of dollars while you're at it. You need Simply Safe Home Security. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. If an intruder cuts your phone line, Simply Safe is ready. Say they destroy your keypad or siren, Simply Safe will still get you the help you need. Here's what I love about this maybe it's overkill, maybe it's the last thing you want to think about this holiday. But with Simply Safe, you're always ready for anything. They believe nothing should get between you and protecting your family. That's why Simply Safe doesn't cost an arm and a leg. They charge you what's fair, what's right, $14.99 a month. Now, I recommend Simply Safe to everyone I know, and we have it here. Yes, at the bunker. And today you can save hundreds of dollars on the protection if you go to simplysafemark.com. SimplySafeMark.com. Now, make sure to use that URL so they know we sent you. But hurry, because this holiday offer is ending soon. SimplySafeMark.com. It's very simple. SimplySafeMark.com. Now, it's a matter of fact. When these thugs go in a neighborhood, they're looking around to see who has an alarm and who doesn't. And if you have an alarm, the likelihood of them hitting your house is very low. If you don't have an alarm, 
Obviously, they're going to pick that house. But even more, there's no wires to cut. This is the cutting-edge technology. That's what I want to strongly encourage you to get it now. SimplySafeMark.com. That's SimplySafeMark.com. John, Artwell, Georgia, XM Satellite. Go. Hey, Mr. Levin. It's a pleasure. Second time I've gotten to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Um, I hear all this stuff about George Bush, and he did this, he did that. And really, um, I like some of the things he did. I didn't like some of the things he did. But one thing he always put forward was his patriotism. Very true. And that's what I love about all the Bushes. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you there. They never wanted to fundamentally transform America. No. And the second thing is, when you told your story about the parade, I'm, I'm a veteran, and yep. when you told your story about the parade uh, and and just what it brought the memories back to you about patriotism and gave you goosebumps, um, I have to honestly say I'm a 55-year-old guy and a big truck driver. I'm kind of a big guy, and it just about brought me to tears. Just yep. thinking about the patriotism we used to have in our own uh, uh, city. Yeah. And, uh, and, now, and now we're told the real patriots are those who take a knee during the national anthem. You know what? The American people know better. Yes, it's sad. I, I, I'm a Patriots fan, and I haven't watched a game in two years, and I won't until they Well, I have stay. to confess, I'm not a Patriots fan, and I haven't watched them since the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, all I got to say is— And don't get mad at me. You're, you're a big guy, but I enjoyed watching that game personally. I am not. All I can say is I love you. Happy Hanukkah to you and yours. Thank you, and sir. condolences over your father. Yeah. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your night. And you too, John. You sound like a wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, all you folks out there, Merry Christmas, too. This is the greatest time of the year, isn't it? Thanksgiving. And the religious holidays. You know, I think they're... Uh, this is the time of the year. Um, let us go to, uh, let's go ahead and pick off Jeff on Orlando, Florida. Go ahead, Mr. Producer. You're on, Jeff. Go. Jeff. Hello, yes, Jeff. Jeff. Yellow, yellow, yellow. I hear you. Go right ahead. Mark, I tell you, I, I've listened to Andrew Wilkow and you guys, and I'm new listeners to both your shows. And uh, I just can't speak highly enough about people that are willing to sit out there and tell it like it is and tell it truthfully. And I am just so excited that you guys are all going to be together under one banner. Well, we all are. And you know how Will Kyle got his first uh, radio gig, right? On talk radio. I don't know if he talks about it anymore, but uh, I started doing a Sunday show on WABC in New York from noon to two. I did it for free because I wanted to learn how to do it. And I figured out, what the heck? Learn it on the biggest talk station on the face of the earth? I'll do that. And uh, when I couldn't do the Sunday show, I had Andrew Wilkow sub for me. I forget what he was doing. I think he was a DJ in, uh, where was he? A DJ in Connecticut or something? Maybe I'm wrong. Upstate New York somewhere. But he was really good. So uh, that's how he got into... uh, talk radio i think maybe as a different story all right jeff we appreciate it i'll be right back
Rising from, from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 There is a uh, terrific piece in The Federalist. It's a longer piece by an attorney by the name of Adam Mill. But this piece goes step by step by step into this latest round of Mueller leaking and Mueller media reports. And I know we're sick of this, but ladies and gentlemen, we cannot allow them to run this field without us watching. Or we're going to lose the vote of 2016. And worse. And he writes here, the latest Russia collusion bombshells are big fat duds. Like so many other Trump-Russia collusion theories, this is yet another half-built bridge that doesn't connect to the other shore. But of course, who's building it? Mueller, the Democrats, and the media. He says, a recent blitz of bombshell headlines initially appear to show there might actually have been some collusion between the 2016 Trump presidential campaign and Russia. First, there was the Guardian claiming the, that Paul Manafort met with Julian Assange of WikiLeaks in the spring of 2016 with the obvious implication that it was done to plan or coordinate WikiLeaks' Hillary Clinton email dump. Now, that's been ably under, you know, exposed by Molly Hemingway and others. And then Margot Cleveland writing, followed up with a nice article showing the Guardian's anonymous sourcing doesn't even pass muster. We can now add NBC News, which has published a very misleading piece that incorrectly appears to be another smoking gun. But that's not what I found interesting about this article. It should be noted, he says, that Jerome Corsi predicted two dumps. Email dumps. One shortly after he returned from a trip, and one in October. WikiLeaks released emails on July 22nd in a series of John Podesta leaks beginning October 7 through the next several days. So, of course, he appears to have guessed wrongly or relied on bad information in predicting a dump after August 2, shortly after I'm back, quote-unquote. Corsi and Stone are big talkers, of course, who seem to lie or guess to make themselves appear to be connected and in the know. Stone effectively admitted to exactly that, so it's highly relevant whether either Stone or Corsi were passing off already public information as the inside scoop. Corsi claims his foreknowledge of the Podesta attack was a product of him connecting the dots. Another commonly cited so-called smoking gun is Stone's now deleted. August 21, 2016, cryptic tweet, quote, Trust me, it will soon be the Podesta's turn in the barrel, unquote. This could easily be a reference to the August 19, 2016 Politico story two days earlier. What said the Podesta group had hired outside counsel because of its connection to the emerging scandal over lobbying for the Ukraine that put Manafort in the barrel. And by the way, why haven't the Podestas been prosecuted? Well, we know the answer. It's rhetorical. <clears throat> If so, the prediction 
would have nothing to do with the lack of Clinton campaign chairman Podesta's email. Writing the Podestas in the tweet makes it more likely that Stone was referring to both Podesta brothers, John and Tony, as in both of the Podesta brothers are going to be in the barrel over Tony's lobbying. And we're going to refer to the name of their lobbying firm, the Podesta Group. Either way, the tweet appears to refer to the past, not the future. The newest bombshell, so-called, is the story that Michael Cohen is now pleading guilty to lying about when the Trump Tower and Moscow deal actually fell through. So that's it. That's what the Russians had on candidate Trump all this time. A deal to build a new tower in Moscow. According to the New York Times, this bombshell appears to have already fizzled because the president does not appear to have said anything about the deal that conflicts with Cohen's account in the plea deal. And none of that has anything to do with the election. Like so many other Trump-Russia collusion theories, this is yet another half-built bridge that doesn't connect to the other shore. It's important to reflect on the Russia collusion hoax long history of truth-bending and bombshells. One is reminded of ABC's goof last year when it incorrectly reported that Trump directed Michael Flynn to make contact with Russian officials before the election. That request came after the election. Who can forget the CNN story that incorrectly reported Donald Trump Jr. received a heads-up from WikiLeaks that it was about to release documents. The story, like this one, turned out to be the result of a bungled timeline. The heads-up came 10 days after the release. Here's your media. One is also reminded of the stories confirming, quote-unquote, the Fusion GPS dossier's account of Cohen traveling to Prague to collude with the Russians. Not true. Notwithstanding clear debunking of the Prague trip account, the Hill newspaper continues to cite a non-functioning link in its article headline, Mueller can prove Cohen made secret trip to Prague before the election. One can also be reminded of the CNN story reporting that then-White House advisor Anthony Scaramucci met with uh, Kirill Dmitriev, a figure in a Russian government investment fund. CNN fired three of the reporting journalists and retracted the story the next day. And here's another interesting parallel between the Corsi and Manafort stories. Both Corsi and Manafort now claim the special counsel is refusing to accept their truthful accounts of the facts and have heavily suggested they will be prosecuted if they don't change their stories. These reports remind us of the complaints about Mueller number two, Andrew Weissman. Weissman! When the Enron prosecutions was accused of intimidating witnesses to provide incriminating testimony against prosecution targets. How does this guy still have a law degree? He should be in Leavenworth with a bunk name, a bunkmate named uh, Bruno. So uh, after two years of this Trump-Russia hoax, the truth-bending bombshells still find their way into headlines. And keep in mind, Special Counsel Robert Mueller likely has every text, email, voicemail that anyone connected with the Trump campaign ever made or recorded, probably recordings of several of the phone calls. These latest leaks demonstrate that the Mueller team isn't above spinning their castoffs as smoking guns for the eager media. Machenko has been spilled trying to determine how the Russia collusion investigation got started. There's simply no mystery here. Clinton hired Fusion GPS to push the Trump-Russia hoax as a way to counterweight her email legal troubles. Fusion GPS paid money to journalists. Hello, to journalists. 
and the wife of a senior Department of Justice official, Bruce Orr's wife, Nellie Orr, to help. Fusion also hired Christopher Steele to help, who's already working with the FBI and is documented to have been its paid informant as early as February 2016. Fusion GPS continues to receive millions of dollars to continue researching, quote-unquote, the story. We have never learned which journalists receive payoffs from Fusion GPS, although it's unclear why any money would be needed to sick the, the media on Trump. Because the Guardian source is secret, we can't rule out that it is also related to or paid by Fusion GPS in some way. This is this fellow, Adam Mill. He's an attorney in uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And he's right on. In an, a relatively short article, he has exposed Mueller again, exposed the media Again, I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. See, I'm not impressed, Michelle Obama, and her foul mouth. Uh, on Saturday, she was at an event, and um, she said... Uh, That whole, so you have it all, lean in stuff. Nope, not at the same time, Obama. So while speaking in Brooklyn as she promoted her book, Becoming, according to New York Magazine. In other words, raising a family and having a full-time job. That's a lie. And it's not always enough to lean in because that's S-H, you know what. That's what she says. Now, if Melania Trump had talked like that, you'd never hear the end of it. You know, we've had times before where Obama used foul language, where Biden used foul language, but they're never held to account. It's not, what do you expect? You know, big deal. So I said the other day, I have no idea what Michelle Obama accomplished before she was first lady or while she was first lady in any significant way, let alone her husband, but that's a different debate. And yet she's held up on a pedestal, whereas Melania Trump, who speaks five different language, languages, is a actual immigrant, and uh, conducts herself in a very classy way and loves this country, isn't constantly talking about, you know, some kind of incoherent rant about this, that, or the other. Uh, She they don't like. But you wouldn't expect them to like her because they don't share her class either on the left. Had a great show. I think those of you who saw it, on Fox, Life, Liberty, and Levin with Heather McDonald, who is an excellent scholar on a number of areas. And uh, let you listen to just a few little clips. First clip, Mr. Producer, go. What have our universities and colleges become, and when did this happen? I mean, they were always kind of liberal in the last several decades, but in some ways, and not my phrase, now, they're, they're almost sort of a Soviet-style system where there really isn't free speech. You're not allowed to challenge uh, the so-called norms in the universities where race and, 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 and gender seem to have uh, a priority over other, other things and that sort of thing. When did all this happen? Well, it, the 80s was when it started, in my view. That's when you got radical multiculturalism that hit. I was in college in the 70s. I'm very grateful for that because I was allowed to read John Milton, William Wordsworth, and Shakespeare without anyone thinking to complain about the gonads and melanin of those authors. I got to lose myself in beauty, 
in greatness and sublimity. Come the 80s, and students were given a license for ignorance. They were taught that the only thing they needed to know about a book was the race and gender of the author to know whether it was thoroughly dismissible without even being read, uh, and they could go on to instead wallow in their own delusional oppression. And it has only gotten worse since then. And what we are doing is breeding the grounds for I fear civil war because students are being taught to hate, to hate the greatest works of Western civilization and frankly, to hate each other. From the moment a student steps on college campus today as a freshman or a fresh person, I should probably say, the bureaucracy is determined to to drum into that student's head identity politics, which says he's either a victim or an oppressor. Oppressors are obviously, most famously, white males, heterosexual white males. The only way they can get out of their oppressor category is to become an ally, an ally of the oppressed. The, the most preposterous delusion of all of this is students actually believe that they are at risk of their lives from circumambient racism and sexism on a college campus. This is an environment that in traditional liberal terms is the most tolerant environment in human history for society's traditionally marginalized groups. Yet there's a massive bureaucracy dedicated to cultivating in students this delusional sense of their own oppression, which then they carry with them, it's a chip on their shoulder, that prevents them from seizing the magnificent opportunities to learn, to, to read every book that's ever been written. And they carry this chip, this delusional victimology into the world at large. And they are going around blaming American institutions of endemic racism and sexism when that no longer is true. She's really sharp. Uh, the left considers her provocative, and yet she's not provocative. It's common sense. It's observable. It's reality. This is what's taking place. Next cut. Go. You've talked about how these ideas t tear at the American fabric. But they have real-world consequences, not only in our politics, not only in our media, but in competition with countries, China, Russia, and so forth. Explain. Well, China is ruthlessly meritocratic. It doesn't give a damn about identity politics. It wants the best engineers and the best physics. If they're all female, great. If they're all male, great. Who cares? The United States is diverting vast sums of money into trying to engineer gender parity in its labs. Meanwhile, China is racing ahead with ruthless competitive drive we are putting our competitive edge at risk. Right now we're still ahead, but do not assume that that is going to last forever if we continue to put these irrelevancies of gender above all else and race to a lesser extent ahead of scientific competitiveness. Uh, because, again, it's not just China, it's also Russia. Uh, they are spending 100% of their science research money on doing science. We are devoting ever increasing percentage into gender politics, whether it's at MIT, Harvard, UC Berkeley, 
or whether it's coming out of, of Congress through the National Science Foundation. This has to be stopped. This is why I very much enjoy doing my Fox show on Sundays, 10 p.m. Eastern. They have very smart guests, very interesting guests, even some guests you're quite familiar with to draw them out on a number of issues. We're going to have Steve Scalise on next Sunday, and I'm going to ask him some questions uh, that he's never been asked before that I'm aware of, and I'm going to give him time to respond, uh, as well as talk about some of the moments uh, after the assassination attempt on his life. Uh, I read his outstanding book, uh, but I want to dig in a little bit in some of the other areas including uh, what happened in the election. I didn't feel that the Republicans really had a uh, a campaign uh, issue because I don't know what it was. And why is it that uh, when we control the House and the Senate, the presidency, that we can't get things done? And when they're in the minority, they seem to be able to do a lot. So I think that'll be fascinating for you uh, this coming Sunday. In the meantime, one more. Not enough time, but that's... What's that? All right. We have Heather McDonald. I'll play the last clip that I wanted to present to you um, after the bottom of the hour. All right. Let me look at the phone calls. KDWN. Paul in Nevada. Go. Well, Mark, first I want to say, listen, God bless Donald J. Trump and those people who love him as our president. Second is uh, God bless you and, and my condolences on your father. Merry Christmas to you and all your loved ones, your listeners. And, and to I you. called the... I just called you. Such a, I hold you in high esteem. Listened to you for quite some time, but I, I just called to say that. But then you, I want to say something else. But I'm concerned. I'm not intellectually evolved enough to participate. I'm going to give it a shot. You ready? Go ahead. Uh, there are there are so many things happening now. So many pieces in play that we never saw. It's like a battlefield out there. It's like a spherical engagement as opposed to being cornered or surrounded. And at the same time, each one represents its own facet, so it's hard for me to focus. But it looks to me like, number one, you need to stop the Democrat and liberal. This is the morally inclined opposed to the morally deviant. And we're going to need to talk about reconstruction uh, and taking these people to task for, in my opinion, blatant communists, or at least duplicitous in what they represent. And I think, and I'm going to mention something big here. But I've got to go to the break. I have no choice. Thanks for your call, Paul. We'll be right back. Passionately cerebral voice. Talk with that voice now. 877 381 3811. Just play a little. Coming. You know, it's hard to believe that we're already in the holiday season. It's now Hanukkah. Soon Christmas will be upon us. Hopefully you're getting ready for some quality time with family and enjoying the latest episodes of Levin TV. That's my show. We've had a huge year, and it's due in large part to the support of our faithful fans like you on radio. Because of you, we've become a true counterbalance to what the liberal mainstream media has tried to cover up. But we're not done. We're not done at all. As you know, we talked about it in the first hour. You've seen it all over the media. Right now, you can get a full year of CRTV. That is, CRTV and the Blaze, or what we now call Blaze TV. All the platforms, all the hosts. 
for only the equivalent of $6.58 a month when you use promo code Levin Christmas. L-E-V-I-N Christmas. That's 20 bucks off the normal price. 2019 is going to be our biggest year ever. We're adding more hosts, new shows, more platforms, and we're sticking to the principles that got us here. And we want you to join with us. I think you'll find it very, very exciting. Now, you won't find that on the liberal mainstream media. So sign up right now through Christmas Day and get $20 off a full year subscription of the best content and commentary you'll find anywhere with promo code Levin Christmas. That's L-E-V-I-N Christmas. Just go to, uh, just give us a call at 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV, or go to levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-TV.com. It's very exciting now. So my advice is go get your discount. And now we have a great deal of content that I think you'll very much enjoy. Let us play the third and final clip that I want to play from Life, Liberty, and Levin on the Fox News Channel last night on Sunday. Go ahead. You've got almost a monopoly ideology on these college campuses. You're getting to a point of a monopoly ideology in our newsrooms. Right. In the Democrat Party, you have almost a monopoly ideology. There aren't many so-called centrists or moderates left, certainly very few conservatives left. This is quite daunting, isn't it? It is daunting, uh, and but one has to fight for truth against falsehood. How do you do that? Well, I think, for one, we need to defund the universities. Alumni have to stop giving money. Realize that these schools, you have a false ideal about them. They are, again, generators of ideology, not of, of wisdom. Uh, and... And there needs to be alternative venues of the support of classical learning and the humanities. But I think, frankly, and certainly we need to talk about the value of free speech, but the free speech problem is a symptom of something much more deep, which is this cultivation of victimology. I think what also needs to be done, Mark, and this may be a false hope, I don't hear enough voices providing an alternative explanation for why there is not necessarily 50-50 gender parity in a math department. Uh, right now, the, the sole explanation out there is implicit bias, that females are somehow being discouraged from studying math. The fact is, the, the countries with the most gender equity have the greatest disparities in STEM because, on average, females and males are... Mom, can't say that as... That's a bunch of S. Our greatest first lady never. Go right ahead. Always individual differences. You can't assume anything about an individual based on an average. But on average, males are more attracted to abstract work, to competition. They're higher risk, risk of uh, prone. Females want more hands-on, uh, relational, human-based work. So I do not expect that a people working for the Nobel Prize in physics or earning it in math are going to be 50-50 uh, gender. And I'm also willing to talk about something that is very taboo, 
Mark, which is that skills are not evenly distributed among different groups. High-end math skills, if you look at the 0.01% of the highest-end math skills, and also the dummies, who are the worst math clods? It's males. Who are the greatest math geniuses? 0.01% of the highest-end math skills. Males outnumber females 2.5 to 1. So Larry Summers, when he was president of Harvard, dared talk about this distribution of math skills. He got fired. We have to keep talking about that, though, because they dominate the, the, the explanation for in, inequalities or lack of parity is always racism or sexism. We have to fight that. The fact is, folks, you're not going to hear somebody like this anywhere else. You're just not. To take the time, walk through this with a scholar, whether it's race, she's an expert on race, she's an expert on immigration, she's an expert on policing. And that's what I try to do on the Sunday show, and also some of the individuals, like we'll have uh, Steve Scalise, first time I've ever met him. He's a wonderful man. Uh, He went through a heck of a lot. We, of course, will talk about that, but we're also going to talk about what was the Republican agenda. How is it that the Republicans, when they have a majority can't do the things they say they're going to do. And doesn't that actually serve as a punch in the stomach to the base, whereas the left always seems to serve their base and the Republicans seem to be concerned about their base? Jeff, Los Angeles, California, 870, the answer, the great KRLA. Go. Mr. Levin, I just wanted to thank you for everything you do. You are such a great country and to every. And I, I just wanted to agree with everything I heard. Well, I, I agree with everything I heard on Sunday. The humanities is a co-opted field now, and I am a senior graduating uh, this year and uh, of the humanities, and I essentially have no place because I happen to be a male. Mm-hmm. It's very depressing. <laughs> in college campuses, and she's written about this in her book, the, the discrimination, and the left will laugh at this, against white males is extraordinary whether it is hiring for faculty whether it's hiring for administrative positions and whether it is uh, receiving uh, invitations when uh, young white males apply for uh, for space at these various universities and colleges so it's happening and it's happening big time and you say you see it with with your own two eyes every day sir uh, mm-hmm. If you are not an intersectional minority, underrepresented minority, you have no place here. And I am a internationally published poet, and I have no place there. Really? How old are you? I'm a 31, unfortunately. Did you say you're a student or a teacher? I, I'm a student. I, I, I very late bloomer. I had to take care of my family for. Oh, that's years. okay. I was just curious. All right, Jeff. I'll tell you what. Don't hang up. In case you have a, a young family member, I want to send you a. Uh, copy of Our Police uh, from my dad to you. I appreciate it. Tim, Lexington, Kentucky, the great WVLK. Go. I happen to know that uh, George Bush at the time was one of the very youngest people to be certified as a carrier pilot while they were training in Lake Michigan. And 40 years later, I learned that he had a really great sense of humor because on Election Day in 1980, the Bushes and the Reagans were in Peoria for a rally. Bob Hope was telling joke after joke about uh, Democrats, and George Bush laughed so hard he turned red, beat red (laughs) in the face. 
eventually he started to slide out of his chair, and Barbara was looking at him like, come on, George, sit up, sit up. When they left the stage, Ronald Reagan walked in front of me, and he went just past me. I had my hand out. There were so many people, and I really wanted to shake his hand, and I shouted, Mr. President. And he turned at me and gave that the same look he gave Jimmy Carter. Well, there you go again. And he shook my hand, and at the end of the day, they had both won 44 seats. It was an amazing day. 44 states. That's right. Unbelievable. And so let me ask you this question, Tim. As a logical matter, as a rational matter, why then do not the RNC, the National Republicans, try to uh, to follow the same you know, model that Reagan, you know, instituted in order to have these massive landslide victories. I have thought of that. And uh, my feeling is that the Republican Party is generally not a conservative party unless it's being led by a conservative, someone like a cool or or Reagan. If it's out of power, they talk the game because it means nothing. Absolutely. And it's costing a lot of votes. I have a lot of friends that absolutely will not vote Republican anymore. They're done. So you think the brand is very badly damaged? They've done it to themselves. No one shot them in the feet. They did it themselves. Mm -hmm. All right. How do do they get you back? Uh, Well, I mean, I don't know. Congress uh, is being dragged along by Donald Trump. He's doing a lot of really good things. But Congress is... And and, and yet, look at the spending bill they handed to him last year, particularly this Mitch McConnell, who has slobbered all over inside the Beltway. Look Look at this massive spending, massive debt bill. They do nothing about this. And then, uh, look, the fact is the modern Republican Party is what I keep calling it, a soft progressive party, is it not? I agree. I mean, my, it, my representative, I voted for him. Uh, he was, it was a close election here in central Kentucky. And he sent out flyer after flyer telling me how, how pro-life he was. And yet they voted for a $500 million funding of Planned Parenthood. So, I mean, people see this. You know, we read. We we pay attention. All right, my friend. Thank you. It's very dispiriting. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The holidays are time for family, being thankful, sharing blessings. Sadly, the holidays are also about scamming. Every year, fraud increases during the holidays, and the thieves like to celebrate with your hard-earned money. From fake charities to package delivery scams, tis the season for identity theft. This year, don't let the holiday spirit distract you from staying safe. You'll need identity protection more than ever. So get it from the best. My ID Care has been taking care of Fortune 500 companies for years. And now they're offering identity protection to everyone so you can make sure your whole family is covered. From tri-bureau credit monitoring to dark web scanning, it's the kind of comprehensive protection you need. And plans start for less than 10 bucks a month. And only My ID Care offers a money-back recovery system. So they guarantee... Recovery guarantee. And don't worry about identity theft anymore, and neither should you. Enjoy your holidays with peace of mind from MyIDCare. My listeners also get 15% off at MyIDCare.com slash Mark, promo code Mark. Learn more, and then let MyIDCare take care of you. 
That's myidcare.com slash mark in a promo code mark. Myidcare.com slash mark, promo code mark. And we will also have some very exciting news about our podcast at the beginning of next year. I'll tell you, we don't let grass grow under our feet, nor do we smoke it, do we, Mr. Producer? He just laughed. He didn't say, you're right. <laughs> no comment. How about all these Democrats who are thinking about running in 2020? The guys over there and gals at the Washington Free Beacon, a great site, they put this montage together. Let's go to cut nine, Mr. Producer. Go. Are you running for president in 2020? Are you running in 2020? Do you plan on running for president in 2020? I've got a lot of work in the Senate. That's not a no. Well, I'm, I'm seriously considering it. I, I'm thinking hard about it. Considering right. And afterwards, you take a look at it. Absolutely, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm thinking about it. We're seriously thinking about it. I'm not ruling it out. We certainly are looking at it. Well, I've been very straightforward that, that I'm thinking about running. Am I going to think about it? Yeah, I'm going to think about it. Hey, look, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I would not be honest with you if I didn't say that I'm thinking of running. I am just still um, thinking about this, talking to people. Not sure what the future will hold in our respect. I promise I'm thinking about it really hard. I think about whether or not I should run. <laughs> I'm seriously thinking about how I can best be of service. Uh, during the holidays. Well, hold on. Retirement, in your case, or resignation. That's Tussie Gabbard, right, Mr. Producer? Go ahead. Uh, meet with family, friends. Are you ruling out running for president in 2020 or no, not? No, I, that, that's another year. Would you be open to it? Sure, I would never close the door. Look, I might. Amy and I made a decision not to rule anything out. In, in, in due course. Whether or not that uh, has anything to do with me will re- remain to be seen. Do you want to run again? No. Wait. No. That was a pause. Well, I, well I'd like to be president. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which country? Because the only way you become president is through a coup which, of course, your party's trying to orchestrate right now. Just always keep that in mind. I coined this phrase, silent coup, and I did it for a reason. Every day, that's what they demonstrate. Now, Jeff Zucker is the president of CNN. He's sort of a toad-looking little dwarf. Uh, He's got an IQ that is extraordinarily low, which explains his choice of hosts. Uh, And listen to this uh, egomaniac. Cut 10, go. Uh, I I still harbor somewhere in my uh, my gut uh, that I'm still very interested uh, yeah. in politics. Mm-hmm. And I would. You turned down an opportunity to work for Al Gore in 2000. You've talked in the past about potentially running for office. So I'm still interested in that, mm-hmm. and uh, um, it's something that I would consider. You know, this is pretty outrageous. This guy runs a media outlet. A media outlet. There's absolutely no pretense anymore. Absolutely no pretense. They're all out of the closet leftists. This guy wants to run for office, and yet he runs CNN. And CNN, probably worse than any other network, has this incestuous relationship with the Democrat Party. Leftists in, leftists out, leftists in, leftists out. It's quite outrageous. I don't know how to leave people on this, Mr. Producer. Maybe let's, I'll tell you what, let's just have a little fun with this. Let's go with Arnold Schwarzenegger, with Jake Tapper. Now, why would you bring Arnold Schwarzenegger on your show when he's like the most irrelevant person in America? 
And yet that's what Jake Tapper does. You want to know why? Jake Tapper has no ratings. That's why I call him fake Tapper. Go ahead. And also just uh, there seemed to be a, a personal <coughs> decency that even people who disagreed with George H. Oh, come on. You guys are such frauds. You mean a personal decency like you? Like Jim Acosta? Like Don Lemon? They long for personal decency, ladies and gentlemen, when they have guests on who, who talk about Hitler and racism and xenophobia, phobia, ah, whatever. Go ahead. Never questioned his, uh, his fundamental goodness as a, as a human being. Yes, you guys did. You tore him to pieces. So you, pa- you paved the path for Clinton. You absolutely did. You're a liar. Go ahead. Well, exactly. This is why you see that. And of course, whenever you want to talk about decency and morality, you go to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Isn't that who you think of, Mr. Producer? That's who you think of. Uh, But not me. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Had a wonderful time with you today. We had some exciting announcements. You never know what the future holds. Join us on Levin TV tonight. I'm blessed to have you out there, and I'll see you tomorrow.